Are you someone who is struggling with iron deficiency or iron anemia? If so, today we talk about root causes of iron issues, including low ferritin and things that your doctor might not have told you. We also talk about ways that you can interpret your lab work, things to look out for on your lab work to help you identify what is contributing to the iron deficiency or anemia. So take a listen today. And if this is something that resonates with you, don't forget to rate, review, subscribe, and share the show. Live your life within the moment, moment, and don't go wait until the morning, morning. You never know when it is over, over. All that I know. Hello, hello. Welcome back to the Food Code. Yes. Today I'm excited. We're going to talk about iron anemia. Yeah, this is far too common, and I think one big thing is people don't know that they have this going on a lot. Like iron is not a very common blood marker um, that gets like, you don't get this on an annual physical. Um, This is something that you would likely get ran if you're dealing with a lot of fatigue or you're just like, you know, the common signs bruise easily. Sometimes constipation for a lot of people can be a big cause of this gut issues. Um, But it's not commonly ran. So I feel like a lot, I feel like a lot more people probably deal with it than are even, that even know that they deal with it. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, again, this is something that you can easily ask your doctor for. The biggest thing you also want to look at is ferritin, which is your stored iron. Um, if you see on an iron panel, iron is high and you don't have a ferritin marker that tells you nothing to be honest, mm-hmm. uh, because there's different patterns. There's patterns of anemia of chronic disease, anemia of inflammation and iron deficient anemia or hemochromatosis where it's iron overload. Um, And so actually it's like the inverse when we look at things like total iron binding capacity and percent of saturation. If those are high, that's typically indicating that you're anemic. But we really look at ferritin as kind of the big indicator. Um, And if you're not storing your iron, then we need to ask why. Yeah, ferritin should be around 70 to 90. That's our functional range. Definitely above 50. Yes. The lab ranges, I believe for most are 20 is the bottom range. So bad. So bad. So bad. That is really low. I've only seen a couple of people come back that low. I've had, yeah, probably four or five. It's, it's bad. And so iron would also show low. Um, 85 to 130 is usually the functional range of iron. Um, So below that, and then like Liz mentioned, the total iron binding capacity would end up actually being high um, and the percent transfer and saturation would be low. So that pattern tends to come with iron deficiency anemia. Um, And here's the problem. When you go to the doctor, if they see that there's anemia, the typical recommendation is kind of like take probiotics, take an iron supplement with no direction on what how much, hopefully they give you a dose at least. Um, but you know, there are many cofactors and that's what we're going to talk about today is root cause of iron deficiency because about it's estimated around a quarter of the population has some sort of iron deficiency anemia. And so the question is if their recommendation is just traditional with taking iron supplements, what if iron isn't the actual problem? Like low iron isn't the actual problem. What if taking iron supplements without understanding what's really going on can be dangerous and contribute to more problems? So there's a lot of questions to ask, and that's what we're going to talk about today. Um, This is for educational purposes only. This is not for you to run out and start doing a parasite cleanse on your own or taking iron with cofactor supplements, anything like that. Um, 
we just want to bring you the education and things to think about. And if you've struggled with iron anemia for many, many years, then you may want to do some testing. You may want to work with a practitioner and get to the root cause because there's going to be a few. And as we go through this, one thing to keep in the back of your mind is that if you have a dairy intolerance, that can also be contributing to iron anemia, vice versa. Yeah. There's, there's a lot of connections that I, that I hope that we can go over today to help you know your body better. Um, so common root causes of iron issues, including low ferritin, uh, microbes in the gut. So parasites, we are going to dive into a little bit later, more in depth, but in general, bacteria, fungus, viruses basically eat iron or the body might hide iron to protect you from them worsening. So not only that, but taking iron supplements can actually be feeding bad bugs in the gut and make digestion worse. A lot of people experience constipation when they take more iron, which is for a number of reasons, um, but this is one of them. So when you take iron supplements, but you have not addressed gut dysbiosis first, you are kind of giving candy to those bacteria and they feed off of it. Yep. And so we know constipation can be a side effect, but we're also thinking about nausea, vomiting, diarrhea, dark stools. Those are all things that can be side effects of taking iron. And when we think about iron in and of itself, we need stomach acid and we need vitamin C to absorb it. So very commonly, if we see that someone is borderline or they are iron deficient, depending upon the anemia presentation of his anemia, chronic disease or inflammation or whatnot, we're addressing those things first. And then we're coming back to the iron, just like we would address parasites first, come back to the iron. So vitamin C is really important. If you are supplementing with something, um, you know, because your doctor said this is a case or your practitioner said, because there are cases that we do recommend supplementing with iron, we want to make sure the cofactors are present. Um, I personally like Hemvite Plus, that's a really good one. There's a few of them out there that have various other cofactors. And what you're going to see is about 200 to 250 milligrams of vitamin C within that because you need vitamin C to help you hold on to the iron. And you need stomach acid to absorb everything. Yep. Yep. Pretty much. So, so iron overload is also actually much more common than low iron. So iron can look low on a lab, but it is being dysregulated and it's not available to the body. Even in cases of what appears to be iron deficiency anemia, the body might actually want low iron to protect it from other things. Yeah. We've had two cases in the past six weeks that we've both sent people to donate blood because we yep. caught the hemochromatosis pattern yep. and said you need to go donate blood. Yeah, yeah, because essentially what happens is the body's storage system is not functioning as it should. And so your body's not storing it. So then it ends up very high iron levels in the blood, which can be toxic Mm -hmm. to the system. Um, So yeah, the body will sometimes potentially, you know, make it unavailable, but then there are high levels within circulation. Because it's trying to protect itself. Exactly. Right. Everything that your body does is for a purpose and a reason you may not like it, uh, but there are mechanisms that are in place to keep you alive. We are survival human beings, right? Those instincts that we have are to help us stay alive. So we think about copper toxicity as well, which can create iron issues um, or biounavailability of copper. So this prevents iron from attaching to hemoglobin. So biounavailable copper is required for the conversion of iron um, to the ferric in the 
ferrous form and back again to produce hemoglobin. So adequate copper is required again to help recycle iron in the body. So if you're taking an iron supplement and there's a copper imbalance that's present, this is often just going to contribute to further iron toxicity. And I'm just going to put this small plug here in terms of copper. When we think about um, copper exposure, um, this can be coming from birth control, not just a copper IUD. Uh, This can also be things that are passed in utero. Uh, It can be vegan or vegetarian diets that are high in copper and low in bioavailable zinc, poor bioflow. Bioflow is important for emulsifying fats, absorbing fatty soluble um, antioxidants and vitamins, also removing toxins and excess hormones in the body or metabolized hormones, your stress and adrenal insufficiency. um, So we always take that into account as well. And then supplements that contain copper. And this is really important when we get into the cancer um, community because we need to look at the copper ratios and iron. Like I've seen very high copper and very low iron and supplementing with iron is making it worse. Um, And so we had to go back and look at everything like calcium, copper, a few other things and remove them. But again, we go back to what's the root cause of this gut issues, which prevent adequate zinc absorption and cause copper to rise. Um, you know, in terms of the ratio that you want. And we did a whole podcast on zinc and you can go back and listen to that. And we talked about the copper ratios uh, in there. When we think about adrenals, the insufficiency can start copper issues, um, but copper is also excitatory on the adrenal glands, which further stresses them out and lowers important minerals such as sodium and potassium. So we need strong adrenals, um, to help your liver make seroplasm, which helps move copper out of the body. So if you have chronic stress, you have low um, seroplasm and more copper retention. And without enough of that, any copper that you're exposed to can get pushed into storage in the liver and in the brain. And stored copper is not usable. It just becomes biounavailable. So just a little note there on copper because it's required to help recycle and mobilize things in the body. Yep. So also considering, is it anemia from chronic disease or is it anemia from inflammation? Um, So you may have a normal or sometimes increased amount of iron stored in your body tissues, but a low level of iron in your blood. And this is the hard thing about blood work. Blood work is awesome. It gives you a ton of information, but there are a lot of things that are in your tissue. Hormones are one of them too. Hormones are not always super accurately represented in blood work because hormones are tissue-based, which is why we do urine tests for hormones. Um, And so inflammation may prevent your body from using stored iron to make enough healthy red blood cells, which can lead to anemia. So again, it might look like you have a normal or a high level of iron, but low level in your bloodstream. Because again, there's this sensitivity issue. It's your body is essentially insensitive to getting it into cells or it's trying to protect itself from letting it into cells. So there's a lot of mechanisms like we already mentioned that, you know, your body puts in place as protective to help understand why some things might appear not as they seem. Yep. So now we're going to talk about parasites and we're going to get into some things around parasites that, you know, people kind of freak out about like, Ooh, parasites are gross or, you know, it's hard to think about, but 
you know, if you're new to the functional community, this is really dismissed by many doctors, unless you're really working with, you know, severe gut issues and you're lucky enough for them to run a stool test to test for Giardia or Blastocystis hominis or various other things. But as Becca already mentioned, iron is like candy. Parasites feed off of iron. Okay. And so one of the biggest things to know, and this is a quote actually from Dr. Todd Watts. We just went to one of their conferences and everybody out there is gonna be like, well, it didn't pop up on my GI map. If you have a pulse, you have a parasite. There are between 75,000 and 300,000 different species of parasites. Um, humans are host to at least 370 protozoa and helmets. These are different types of parasites and they are considered one of the major contributors to our disease load. Um, just in 2013, so imagine that's 10 years ago, there were over 1 million deaths due to parasite infections. So the question here is, if you have been taking an iron supplement and you're still not seeing improvements, have you done a parasite cleanse? Have you worked on your gut? The parasite cleansing is not something that you would just do right out of the gates. You need to work on opening up drainage and detox pathways. Parasites can take over other organ systems in the body, not just your gut microbiome. They can live in the liver, liver flukes. Um, they can live in the bloodstream, cardiovascular system, the heart, the brain. Uh, there was many stories that we saw and heard of parasites causing um, from the oral microbiome, horrible sinuses, sinus infections, allergies, joint pain, brain fog, jaw inflammation, um, fatigue, amongst many other things, you know, digestively in terms of diarrhea, Becca's dealt with this, um, you know, I've dealt with them in the past. So how are we exposed to them? You know, one of the courses that we did a few months back now, um, was really eye-opening to think about even wearing shoes in your house. So parasites have been around since we evolved, right? They are on plants. Um, they are actually commensal to us uh, because they're scavengers. And so they will eat things up, um, such as heavy metals and things like that. But the issue is when they take over and they overgrow. Um, and, you know, we've seen a lot of stool pictures where people are passing very long um, strands of things. Uh, and so, you know, they go through different life cycles unseen to the eye. One of the books that I just read was what's on your plate. And it talks about Giardia living under the fingernails for up to four weeks and various other parasites, you know, and then it gets into your body and it starts to go through this life cycle where it's multiplying itself. Right. And now those eggs are growing into adults and, you know, just painting the picture here uh, that you guys probably don't want to hear, but overgrowing and taking over. And we get these things not just through food, but yes, we would get it through like raw or undercooked meat. Um, you would get it from unwashed fruits and vegetables. This is why I love my Therisage. It's the bubbler, the ozone bubbler, or you can do, um, you know, like a baking soda and water uh, combination. Look that up, you know, easy veggie wash, right? Just wash your fruits and vegetables. Um, raw dairy, tap water is huge for parasites. The research on tap water is actually disgusting. And this is why I will never drink tap water. And people can tell me that I'm snobby with it, but that's okay. Um, we can pass them in utero. So we do always recommend parasite cleansing prior to pregnancy. You can also pass them through breast milk, um, sexual transmission. Better be checking your partner there. Uh, pets are big carriers. Kids are big carriers. Ooh, kids are big carriers. Yeah. 
Um, you can inhale them. You can get them through your feet. You can um, get them through insect bites, mosquitoes, fleas, ticks, spiders, through skin touching contaminated surfaces. Um, so all that said, if you have a <laughs> pulse, you have a parasite. And you know we just say this because it's important to recognize that this cannot be negated in gut protocols, especially if somebody is symptomatic or we see on lab work Outside of anemia, we see a kind of a trio in the blood work, um, or we see monocytes that are really elevated. So yep. what would be things that would leave you more susceptible as a host, a nice, friendly host? Children are more susceptible to age, your immune function, so the level of other infections and toxic burden, as well as certain medications. Stomach acid, low stomach acid, because stomach acid will kill things off within 15 seconds if it's robust enough. If you eat a lot of sushi, um, if you guys follow me, I've posted about this before, but there's a reason why we have wasabi and ginger with sushi. I love sushi. I love sashimi. Um, so both of those are antibacterial, antifungal, and antiparasitic. And so they're meant to be protective to eating the raw fish. I do those both. I love fresh ginger, but I also take my stomach acid support. Um, and digestive enzymes. So HCL and digestive enzymes. And then again, as we've already talked about, if you've got a lot of gut dysbiosis, again, parasites will just come and take over because you're a nice host. You give them food. You got a lot of things that they love. So they flourish. Yeah. And the leaky gut kind of welcomes that and then welcomes the inflammation and the irritation to become more systemic, um, leading to a lot of these issues. So the most common parasites that can cause anemia, um, iron deficiency anemia, are worm infections. Uh, so that is hookworm, that is whipworm, and that is schistoso schistosomiasis. Some of these names of the thousands that we've, like even just in the course. I know. They are a mouthful. They are a huge mouthful. Um, like Liz was saying, abnormal blood markers would be low iron, low ferritin, low B12, um, and then elevated eosinophils and basophils. Eosinophils and basophils will be on a complete blood count. So these are on a CBC, which is very common to get at just like an annual physical. Um, lymphocytes, monocytes, these all can indicate white blood cell activation uh, geared towards bacterial infections. These two in particular are more parasites. Um, the other ones are more bacterial overgrowth. So iron is essential to humans and in the event of a parasitic infection humans have mechanisms to bind iron and keep it away from these parasitic invaders per se um, and it can be bound intracellularly as ferritin or as hemoglobin and you'll also sometimes see low hemoglobin if you have an iron deficiency anemia that's very common or it'll be paired extracellularly as transferrin or lactoferrin so this reduces essentially the parasite access to the essential mineral However, parasites can find their way around defense mechanisms. You guys, I think that the scary and very real thing to think about is that parasites and bacteria and viruses are intelligent. They are not just these little bugs. Like, we are made of bacteria more than we are genetic. And so, as humans, it's part of why we developed so quickly as a, I'm trying, not as a society just as like, as a species, species, that's what I was looking for. We developed so quickly as a species because we are made of bacteria and bacteria is extremely intelligent and you can be creeped out by that, but it's the reality of it. Like these things are smart 
They're going to find ways to survive. They don't like to be killed off. And so that is why a lot of times when people go to eradicate them, they have symptoms and we put things in place to help manage those symptoms. But it's just like they hold on to toxins, they hold on to heavy metals, they hold on to mold, Candida, and all of those things get released into the bloodstream when you try to eradicate them, which is what causes a lot of symptoms. So it's not always fun, but they're intelligent. And that's the main thing that we need to understand is like, it's not always super easy getting rid of them. Um, so there was one study that looked at the association of intestinal parasites with iron status in children and found a significant association between the presence of parasites and low serum iron. Those infected with parasites had a mean serum iron of 24, while those without a parasite had a mean serum iron of 42, despite no differences in iron intake. So researchers note that hookworm-type parasites are able to usurp iron stores at the intestinal level by attaching to the intestinal mucosa, basically like our stomach lining. They can cause bleeding and effectively provide a convenient blood meal for themselves. So as gross as this sounds, basically the parasites can attach themselves kind of like leeches mm -hmm. and cause small levels of bleeding that they then feed off of that blood. Yeah. Yeah. And there's a couple of other things, you know, to know in terms of like stool testing, because as Becca was saying, they're very, very intelligent. They hide. Um, so stool testing frequently misses them. Mm -hmm. um, we can look at blood work, as we mentioned, um, even like with the white blood cells, like if the white blood cells are elevated, that can also be a sign of parasites because certain types of white blood cells fight off parasites. Mm -hmm. Like I just had a white blood cell count come in at 14 last week. Oh my week. gosh. Um, really, really high and a lot of liver stuff going on. Obviously, you know, we're looking um, at the whole picture, but parasites and liver flukes are definitely something, you know, that come to mind. And I think this is just important to help educate you all uh, because these are not things that your doctor is going to be talking to you about. One of the recent courses that I did um, within parasites uh, and parasite cleansing and blood chemistry, you know, kind of their one marker that they said, you are going to always, even if you don't see this on a stool test, monocytes at a 10, you know it's parasites. Uh, you see really high white blood cells, you know, right? There's other things going on. Iron anemia that's not improved with taking iron cofactors, working on stomach acid, vitamin C, all of the other things that we need to absorb it. You know that um, we've got issues here with parasites. And the other thing is around the full moon, parasites get very active. They are also nocturnal. So you can go off symptoms too. So it's very interesting um, to see, to, to learn about this and study this. And I'll be honest, when I first heard about this, I was like, this is a bunch of whack, like quacky stuff. Um, woo woo. I don't even know what to call it. Like, I just thought this is nutty, but it is true. Okay. And I've seen it with myself. I've seen it with many clients. So we are molecular human beings with the full moon and the shifting of the tide. Um, there is higher parasite activity and your circadian rhythm responds to the full moon cycle. So they're more act, uh, active and reproductive. So coinciding with our circadian rhythm. So you may notice that you are very hungry. You have low mood. Um, and this is because during the full moon, we produce less melatonin and more serotonin. Melatonin is your neurotransmitter that helps you sleep and controls the immune system. With lower levels of melatonin, your immune system doesn't fend the parasites off as well. So they can really cause a lot of symptoms during this time. With serotonin, that's your feel-good neurotransmitter, which increases during the full moon. 
Parasites have receptors for serotonin just like we do, and it helps them move. So with access to more serotonin, they have more movement throughout the body. So this combination gives parasites a heightened ability to move around and cause a lot of issues. So symptoms of parasite infection beyond iron efficiency, you know, uh, anemia or iron insufficiency, several things, skin bumps and rashes, sleep issues like insomnia, poor sleep, aches and pain, weight loss, um, increased appetite or both abdominal pain, diarrhea, vomiting, constipation, (laughs) fever, weakness and feeling unwell, and then deficiencies. So beyond iron deficiency uh, or iron anemia, we're looking at vitamin A, B12, copper, magnesium, and zinc, and then allergies. And specifically with Giardia, we see intolerances to lactose because it damages the lactase um, enzymes. So we would also, you know, just consider that if somebody says, I can't have dairy because dairy is, you know, an issue for me, but it hasn't always been. Okay, what else is going on? And then some other overlooked symptoms of parasite infections, teeth grinding, adrenal fatigue, food cravings, and insatiable hunger. Again, that can be normal around the full moon. Waking between 1 and 3 a.m. Again, they're nocturnal. Brain fog, anxiety, or depression, low blood sugar, leaky gut, and IBS. But again, all of these things have their own root cause. So this isn't meant to turn into like a parasite podcast, but this is meant to say, there's a deeper rooted reason to your iron anemia. Is it vitamin C and low stomach acid? Is it other mineral insufficiencies? Is it parasites? Mm-hmm. So, but end of the day, just supplementing with iron is likely not going to be the solution. There needs to be a dive, dive deeper into figuring out what's actually causing it. 